Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome to Orange Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte, Cam Azir with you for the first time ever. Cam and I doing this together. Cam, how exciting is that? I think it's very exciting. This is like... It's our, it's our first time. Matt, it's already making my day, and the fact that we get to talk for the next hour or so will make my day even more better. Wow, that's that's flattering. That's what I love to hear. All right, we, we got a crazy rundown ahead of us. First, we're going to be looking at the new TBT roster that just came out fresh off the press. Then, talk some offensive lines, see where Syracuse might be next season. We'll get into our five-star review, our Fizz feedback, our fictional Fizz. It's all ahead of us on Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. But let's hop in to that TBT roster. It was released, I believe, today. We're recording this on Thursday. Syracuse got it in 50 minutes before the deadline. Line. I mean, if that doesn't scream Syracuse, I don't really know what does. Uh, the roster runs down as follows. You got Pascal Chukwu in there for the first time ever. Very exciting for Syracuse uh, students who go to school, school now. I mean, you got to see Pascal Chukwu in person. Now he's coming back to play in Orange. That's pretty exciting. Eric Devendorf, of course. CJ Fair coming to play for Bayheim's Army, which is huge for me. CJ, one of my all-time favorite players. Tyler Lydon, Chris McCullough, Tyrese Reese, a BC alumni, Malachi Richardson, Kiefer Sykes, a Green Bay alumni, and Andrew White III. A pretty diverse um, roster in terms of Syracuse players and non-Syracuse players. You usually don't see any non-Syracuse players. The first time we did was last year. Now we see two, and we already know that two more non-Syracuse players will be added to the roster. How does that make you feel, Cam? Do you really care that there are non-SU guys playing, or, or you just want them to win? I, I just want them to win. I really don't care at all. The success of this team is what will drive my excitement. And the fact that I'm looking at this cast of characters and, you know, being a guy that wasn't a huge Syracuse fan, what, four or five years ago, really didn't follow the Orange as heavily as I do now. I'm just excited that I know every Syracuse player on this list. So if this team has success with the roster that they already have put forward, I mean, I don't care if they had two, three Syracuse players, which would make no sense at all for a Bayheim's Army's team. But I'm just extremely excited that, you know, the TBT is back on and we get to see all these Syracuse alumni. Yeah, I don't really care either that there are non-SU alums playing for Bayheim's Army. As long as it's m the majority orange guys, I don't really, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, as long as they win, which they haven't been doing, by the way, a lot of heartbreak uh, that this team has been bringing SU fans over the last couple of years they haven't been winning, and, and if this is the way they're going to do it, I, that's fine by me. Another change is that the head coach, Jeremy Pope, now the head coach, he's currently a Portland assistant. He doesn't really have any Syracuse ties other than that he was a grad assistant for Mike Hopkins. The, the big question there comes is, is he going to play the zone, and would you care if he didn't? I don't care at all, only because looking at this roster, it's very offensive heavy. 
You talk about Malachi Richardson, what he did in the tournament in his freshman year. And then, of course, Devendorf. We saw what Chris McCullough did early on in his Syracuse career. People forget Andrew White led the Syracuse team in scoring in the early part of this last decade. And then you talk about C.J. Fair being one of your favorite players. That's one of the most you know electric offensive players that I've seen on the Syracuse court, not just because of his energy, but what he can bring to any team that he's a part of. And even Pascal Chukwu, I'm looking at this team and I don't really care about the defensive scheme. I just think that whatever happens, the offense is going to be electric. So zone, man-to-man, -man, whatever you have it, I I'm just excited to see what this team can produce on offense. I don't think it matters if this team goes with the zone or goes with the man-to-man -man because that's not what the staple of this team will be this season. And we know that guards kind of run this tournament. And the two non-SU guys and Tyrese Rice and Kiefer Sykes that are, are joining this team are both guards, and they're both guys who have been incredible in the past and, and are still playing to this day. Tyrese Rice, a BC alum, he's 34. He played a long time overseas. When he was with BC, he was lighting up the ACC, a three-time all-conference player. He averaged over 20 points a game in his junior season. I mean, he was absolutely incredible for a team that really competed. And then you also have Kiefer Sykes playing in Green Bay, who's currently playing in Australia. Um, there are a couple of guys who I could really see making a difference on this team. Uh, and providing some offensive firepower that we haven't really seen in the past. I, I like that this team is going in a direction that's a little bit different. It hasn't really been working with what they've been doing, and they're mixing it up, and I think that as a fan, that's all you can really ask. We didn't see guys like John Gillen this year, Dante Green, Demetrius Nichols, Brandon Trish. They didn't make the trip. Uh, I don't know if it was a scheduling conflict or not. I think Trish said that he couldn't do it due to some kind of scheduling conflict. But I don't know about Nichols, Dante Green, John Gillen. Those guys are Orange favorites, but they're not on the team this year. And I think that it's going to end up being a positive thing that guys like Reese, Rice and Sykes are, are going to play for them. Well, and there's a lot of professional experience. You look at Tyrese. Absolutely. Right, you talk about his, you know, his Boston College background. He's been playing overseas for a very long time, eight seasons to be exact. And this is a guy that, you know, religiously averages over 10 points a game in the international scene. So you take that into what we're going to see in the TBT, and I love what he can bring to the team. I just think that bringing some new faces in with also the big names of, of Syracuse alums, I think it's a great combination. Why not add some new guys to the mix? There's nothing wrong with that, especially because you mentioned the success hasn't really been there. So how do you get the success to somehow magically appear? Bring in some new faces. You can't go wrong with that. So the other big storyline this summer is that overseas elite who have won the title four times from 2015 to 2018, they had that four-year streak of winning the TBT title. They're not playing. They pulled out. They said they're going to take at least one year off this year. So the guys that have played for them in the past are now free agents. And Eric Devendorf, who is kind of the ringleader of Bayheim's Army a little bit, one of the one of the big SU uh, fan favorites of the past, he plays every year, and he's kind of been hyping up the two guys who are not yet have been announced, those two non-SU players. And I think that they're, they might be overseas elite guys, and that would be huge for this team. I mean, it would add some TBT experience to the group, and not just experience, but success along the way. I think that 
anyone that you can take that knows the league like the back of their hand and knows how to compete compete at the highest level, meaning actually playing in a championship game and knows the experience of winning. Hype them up as much as possible, Eric Devendorf. It's great. I mean, are you kidding me? You get guys that know the feeling of winning and you're bringing them to a team that wants to know the feeling of winning. I, that To me, that's a perfect combination. That's an ace of spades mix. I, I love it. And I love that they haven't been an announced yet because that brings more excitement to the team. So I have a lot of confidence in Bayheim's army this year. I have a lot of confidence in the players that are on this team. And... If Bayheim's army can have some success, and I'm not saying this in a way to, you know, oh, this could really help the Syracuse men's basketball team going into the winter season, but Syracuse needs some hype around it. Football hasn't been great. Basketball hasn't been great. We just saw what happened with lacrosse. So I think just adding any hype to a Syracuse-based program, even if it's the TBT, I think it could pay great dividends going forward. So you say you've got pretty good confidence in them. My next question is how far do you think they end up making it? Last year they lost to sideline cancer as the three seed against the 22 in the quarterfinals. Do you think they make it farther than that this season? I think that this team makes it even further. And I would I, I don't know if I'm going to you know be a, a surprise pick or, or maybe this is a dark horse selection. But I think that Syracuse or Bayheim's army makes it to the final. I look at wow. this team and how it's constructed and with the pros pros that are on this team. And, and I just look at this group and I love how it was put together. I love White, Richardson, Devendorf, of course. And then you have Leiden, McCullough, Fair, Chuku. You've mentioned it. And you get four guys that aren't Syracuse alums but have success in the international level and at the TBT level. I'm having this Bayheim's Army team making it all the way to the final. I don't think they get it done, but I'm having to make it to the championship. Well, you can thank some of that recruiting uh, to Adam Weitzman, who's been named as the chairman of the team this year, a guy that you see in the Carrier Dome next to Tom Brady and Jimmy Fallon usually is now going to be, you know, handling some of the recruiting for this team. So I think that that's going to end up paying dividends down the road and and being huge this year, especially especially if those last two guys are going to end up being guys that might make them and make your prediction true and get them to that final game. I, I don't know if I have the same confidence just because I haven't seen it and they've broken my heart too many times. Um, so I'm a little tentative to say that they'll make it that far. But last year was a solid run until they ran into a buzzsaw that was sideline cancer who lost in the championship game back in, in July of 2020. I want to say they'll make it back to that point. I want to say they'll go further, but I just don't know if I'm ready for that. Matt, give me a player of the game because my, or not player of the game, player of the tournament, because my player of the tournament is going to be Andrew White the third. Who do you got? How can I not pick CJ Fair? I think CJ <laughs> is going to come in and show everybody he hasn't missed a beat since he left the court back in the early 2010s. Uh, CJ is, is one of the greatest players Syracuse has had in the 21st century, and I think that he will prove that he is still one of the best talents out there. Hopefully, you know, maybe he gets an NBA contract. Who knows? Wow. I think uh, Andrew I think Andrew White the third puts himself back on the map. I think way too many Syracuse, you know, faithful fans have forgotten about, you know, AW3. Maybe you can give him that nickname through the TBT. <laughs> but I'm going with White. I think he's going to have a great tournament. 
All right, Cam, we'll hit a short break. On the other side, we'll talk SU football. Did the offensive line improve next season? And do the Orange need to replace Willie Tyler, who recently announced his decommitment from SU? You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, you're with Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azair. Cam, we took over the uh, TBT. We took it down. We did that. Let's talk some SU football now. The offensive line last year was absolutely abysmal. It has been for two seasons now. Some people starting to blame Tommy DeVito a little bit more than the offensive line. I don't know so much about that. I don't know what you think about that, but do you think it'll be better in 2021 than it has been? No. I mean, I don't, I don't know what your definition of better is, but I don't see this offensive line improving or just looking good at all. I I understand how people are looking at last season and saying, yeah, it was, you know, Tommy DeVito in Syracuse was that the most, you know, sacks given up in the entire ACC. Yeah. So how could it get worse? Right. I think it can because it's all dependent on the opposition's defensive line. And if you look at sacks per game, there were six ACC teams in the top 30 in the country in sacks per game. I think that the ACC is getting even more stacked. You know, the teams are getting better over time. And Syracuse is just getting complacent at this point. And if you continue to put Tommy DeVito back there in the pocket when he, you know, can't run to save his life, and maybe you put a guy like Garrett Schrader back there and he he gives you a different formula, I just think that this offensive line can't improve with the snap of the finger in one year. I think there needs to be, you know, a full changeover, a full progression. Maybe it's five, six years before this offensive line is regarded as good. I just see last year's, you know, offensive line, it being a lot of the same this season, because how can one year, you know what I mean? How could one year change everything. I just don't think it can. Well, they'll have some more personnel this year, but before I get into that, let me run you down the biggest number that always comes to my head. And you mentioned a little bit about the sacks, but Syracuse was third worst in the country last year in terms of sacks allowed. They allowed 38 sacks through 11 games. On average, that's three and a half. I mean, that is ridiculous. That is absurd. 38 sacks? How can you how can you have an offensive scheme when the quarterback doesn't know what what where to look before he's on the ground? Yeah, I, I, you it's can't. It's ridiculous, Matt. You we were I think a, after a while, if there were fans that were fully packed in the stands, and there there were or there weren't because of COVID, of course. But no, I, I think I'm getting my my years mixed up. But there weren't fans in the stands. Am I correct? No, there were no fans this past year. Well, thank goodness there weren't, because I think the fans would have gotten sacked at some points. There'd be fans on the ground just because (laughs) of the disappointment and defensive linemen running over Tommy DeVito. It's awful. So what you have coming in this year, more, or excuse me, most importantly is Chris Bleich, the Florida transfer who is finally eligible. He sat out all of last year. We didn't know really if he was going to play or not. He's coming to play guard for Syracuse. That is is great news. You're also getting Juco transfer Jacob Bradford. We thought you'd be getting Willie Tyler as well, a Texas transfer, but he recently decommitted. Uh, And you'll also be getting five freshmen. The only one who's probably going to play is Enrique Cruz. 
So the offensive line should look something like Matthew Bergeron, Dakota Davis, Carlos Vettorello, Chris Bleich, and Aaron Service. Bergeron had a great season. Uh, people forget that he played incredibly well. And Service, of course, is an established tackle who's played well for a long time. It becomes the, the conversation becomes the interior of that offensive line with Davis, Vettorello, and Bleich. If Bleich can kind of lift it up a little bit so we don't have to watch Chris Elmore get run over, I think that they're going to absolutely be better. I have to completely disagree. I think it's way too really? many. I think, Matt, those are that's way too many hypotheticals to throw out there. I think that in the first couple of games, people are going to hype up this offensive line because Syracuse is playing no one at all in the first four games, just a bunch of non-con opponents. And then you start getting into ACC competition. That's where it's going to get really bad. So I think through the first four games, people are going to look at this offensive line and say, hey, putting some new names in there. It seems like these guys are starting to gel together after a year or a couple years, you know, as a unit. So it looks like this offensive line is getting a little better. But you don't have the experience of a guy like Willie Taylor, who could have added so much to that team as almost like their main play caller in that on that offensive line and a leader. And you're bringing in a bunch of guys that don't know the system with a bunch of guys that didn't even look like they knew the system last year. So I just don't think it can get better. The ACC is getting a lot better, and that doesn't bode well for Syracuse. And unless Tommy DeVito or Garrett Schrader or Jacobian Morgan can pull a rabbit out of their proverbial hats and somehow, you know, learn how to escape the pocket and actually get the ball downfield without pressure, you know, on their wayside, I don't think this offensive line will look good at all. Well, you say they're missing out on Taylor and his experience that he could bring, but they're going to bring in Bleich. You don't think he'll bring that same experience from an ACC school? Are you telling me that Willie Taylor and Bleich, that they actually compare to each other? I think they absolutely do. I, Why I, not? I I think that Willie Taylor is heads better than Bleich is. I, I, and I'm not saying that Bleich isn't a good grab for Syracuse it's great you you know you get him from another power five program he's a transfer he can add some you know beef to this offensive unit but I, I think there was so much hype around Willie Taylor because of the star that he could be and in my opinion is and I just I, I think that's a huge miss out for Syracuse and without him I don't even think with him this offensive line is really good but I think they get a little better without him I don't see it well, here's the other thing, and before we get a little bit more into Willie Taylor uh, and who could potentially replace him, it depends a lot about who's going to play quarterback. I think there actually is a decent amount of truth to those thoughts that are Tommy DeVito is, in, is to blame for some of those sacks more than the offensive line is. I watched him far too many times last season sit in the pocket with zero awareness and just have edge rushers swarm him before he knows what's going on. Um, so I think that if they work on that with him, maybe if he's not playing, you see Garrett Schrader or Jacoby and Morgan, like you said in there instead, I think that sacks go down astronomically because 38 is a ridiculous number for a season in which 11 games were played. Um, so I think that the number is going to go down regardless. And I think that the addition of Chris Bleich and the development of Matthew Bergeron and hopefully Aaron Service, what is it, his sixth year now it seems like, his uh, his wise capabilities can kind of rub off on everybody else. And maybe those younger guys 
get some juice in there. Who knows? I, I think that they absolutely will be better, but whatever. I digress. Let's move on to who could potentially uh, replace Willie Taylor. Of course, he was he was announced that he was going to transfer to Syracuse, which is big news. A six foot seven tackle from Texas, three hundred thirty pounds. He was he was a huge get for this program, who we've been talking so much have struggled at the offensive line position. But he announces that he's going to decommit from Syracuse. This was about last week. We got an article about it on orangefizz.net from Jaron May if you'd like to read about it. Cam, who do you think could come in instead of him, maybe in the transfer portal, and do and fill that hole? Now, I'm looking at a guy like Dakota Davis and seeing that he missed half the season. And I, I think that without doing anything... Syracuse can somehow find a way and this is you know a very I don't think it's very possible but I think with the options they have the development of the players could somehow replace Willie Taylor and what he could have brought to this team but looking at this transfer list I think I have to go with Brandon Cunningham from Mississippi State and this is of course this is of course you know, expecting that one of these guys will find his way in orange, you know, come the fall. So I'm not saying that it's very possible. So my first option is it's the guys that are already there, Cervase, Davis, you mentioned it, and Guy and Bleich and guys that can develop over the past year. And that could take over what the orange are losing with Willie Taylor. But with Cunningham, this is the guy that can do so much. And with offensive linemen, that's so important because usually you don't explain or describe an offensive lineman as versatile. And that's exactly what Cunningham is. I mean, 6'4", 300 pounds. He played in nine games last season, which is a hefty amount due to COVID and, and whatever happened there. And he also saw both time or saw time at both the tackle and guard position, which is exactly what Syracuse needs. Because a lot of the times last season, when a guy would get hurt or a guy would get bumped out of their respective position, the Syracuse team couldn't adjust. They couldn't put a guard at the tackle position or vice versa. And that's so important in the game of college football right now because you never know with injuries. You never know what could happen in the trenches. So I think that Brandon Cunningham is the perfect fit. If he's added to the Syracuse team, I will agree with you, Matt. I will admit that Syracuse, the offensive line, will be better next season. And I, I think we have similar schools of thought in that I don't think there, anybody's going to transfer to Syracuse after having Tyler decommit. But if someone were, I also would agree that it should be Brandon Cunningham. Like you mentioned, that versatility to be able to play in the interior of the offensive line as well as the edge would be so, so huge for this team in that they just have so little talent everywhere. Um, so to bring in a guy like that would be gigantic. He played on both sides of the ball. He played on defense in 2020, which just shows his athletic uh, versatility as well. I think that he would be just huge for this team. And, and like you say, would probably, you know, lift him up. If you'd already don't think lift him up past, uh, that line and get them a lot better than last year. All right, we'll take a break here on the score 1260. When we come back, we'll have this week's edition of five-star review. You're listening to orange fizz radio. Five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. 
Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azir back with you on Orange Fizz Radio. It's time for this week's episode of Five Star Review. To kick off, we're talking about a couple of guards that Syracuse could potentially be recruiting right now. Chance Westry and J.J. Starling. Both guys that SU is targeting Chance Westry currently, as we speak, is on his visit to campus. We're recording this on Thursday. He'll be there from Thursday to Friday. Hopefully he likes it up there. What do you got on him, Cam? Yeah, so Chance Westry, uh, there's a lot with him. Because of his versatility, that's what puts him at a combo guard. You can check out my article on orangefizz.net to learn more about Westry and Starling, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But it's a guy that's six, that's six foot four and can play multiple positions outside the perimeter, and that's what makes him so special because he can score, pass, put his head down to the rim, whatever it may be. Right now is at Sierra Canyon, which bodes well for Syracuse because that's a program that plays a lot of high-level competition just like he'll experience if he comes to Syracuse and plays in the ACC. One thing with Chance Westry that I love is if you watch his game and how it's developed over time, it's a guy that's coachable. You've seen his game change and his versatility grow, his ability grow as well. And I love Chance Westry because if you look at the next year when Westry could possibly come to Syracuse, that guard class is a bit slim. Of course, Kamari lands, Matt. We know what he can bring to the table when he comes in 2022. But we don't know a lot about Samir Torrance. We're not very sure with Joe Girard. He'll be in his fourth year, but will he continue to be inconsistent? I love what Chance Westry can bring to the table, and this could be a big add for SU. Yeah, I think that's the biggest and most important thing to bring up is the depth that Syracuse doesn't really have at the guard position. You mentioned Samir Torrance and Joe Girard really being the only true point guards that Syracuse is sporting as of right now. When it comes to Westry's timeline and his recruiting, it's really Syracuse and Maryland that are the top two to get him right now. Some a little bit of outdated predictions back in February as of as of right now they're outdated, I guess. 100% going to Syracuse as of those February predictions on 24-7. I don't know if you can really take that and, and put it in stone, but it bodes well for the Orange right now that there are a couple guys out there who probably know a little bit more than we do that think Syracuse is going to land Westry. Yeah, and with Westry, it's a guy that has 15 other offers that are not Syracuse, and he's already made his official visit to Nebraska. You mentioned that Maryland is high on his list, but other than that, I look at Syracuse as you know the top dog in schools for Chance Westry, and once he starts to play at high level competition, like I mentioned with um, you know with Sierra Canyon uh, down here in Chatsworth, California, I think that you look at Westry as the one guy that is above a 90% chance going to Syracuse. And again, I'm not a recruiting expert. I can't tell you for sure. But it's someone that has roots in the Northeast, and you look at Syracuse as probably the highest option on his list. I'll be interested to see when Westry commits to any school because a lot of guys wait a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see. And J.J. Starling is a little bit of a different story, a little bit more contentious for the La Lumiere school product Maryland Stanford and Syracuse are the top three for him as of right now do you think Syracuse has a good chance at getting him or do you think that uh, he'll probably be at Maryland or Stanford come 
2022. Yeah, I don't think J.J. Starling's coming to Syracuse. It would be a great add for the Orange only because this is a guy that can be in the starting lineup or you can put him you know, off the bench. I think the issue with Syracuse is what happened with Kadari Richmond and, and everything with Joe Girard and who are you going to start at point guard and the stubbornness of Jim Beheim. I think J.J. Starling wants an atmosphere where he'll come in and make an immediate impact, make his presence known. It's someone that can score at a high rate, and he's from 20 minutes away from Syracuse. He played at Baldwinsville High School in Baldwinsville, New York, for the longest time before transferring to La Lumiere. So it's a local kid, but I just think that you look at J.J. Starling and the guy that he wants to be at the next level, I don't think Syracuse can give him that opportunity. On to a little bit of a bigger name when it comes to Syracuse recruiting. Our own colleague, Jaron May, had an exclusive interview with Mike Mannix, the head coach of Willa Bram and Monson Academy, where Kyle Filipowski plays. Some good quotes from that interview. I really urge you to go and listen to it. Mannix had plenty to say, of course, positive about his player, Filipowski. He said he's as versatile as they come. He can put the ball on the, on the floor like a guard. He's 6'10", a little bit Kevin Durant-like in that sense. As for a player comp, he couldn't compare him to one guy. A lot of very good players rolled into one is the way he described Kyle Filipowski. And he's a smart kid who gets good grades and hard classes, and he's very, very humble. He won't be the first person to tell you he's the Gatorade Player of the Year or that he's ranked top 30 by ESPN. All good signs pointing in the way of Kyle Filipowski camp. And I think the biggest things that stood out, and again, you mentioned go, you know, go listen to that interview. And I will say the same because you can take a lot out of it because this is a guy that is highly considering Syracuse. I would not be surprised if he chose to sport orange uh, when he comes to when he you know makes his decision at the end of it all. And with Filipowski, one thing that you know stood out for me with, with his head coach was the first thing he said. The first thing that Jaron asked is, how would you describe this player? Like, who is he on the court? And his head coach said, as versatile as it comes. And if any head coach says that, you know he has high praise for a player because a lot of the times when you're playing in the high school ranks, you're one-dimensional. You're a guy that's known for your shooting, guy that's known for your defense, the energy you bring to the team. But Filipowski can do it all. And it seems like his head coach wasn't just, you know, flaunting how great Filipowski is, but was laying down the facts of how good he can be at the next level and where he can improve. So I just think that the biggest takeaway from that interview was the versatility factor and the fact that he couldn't even, you know, give a player comp. I think that if his head coach would have said Porzingis or Kevin Durant, that would have downgraded the play of Kyle Filipowski. And you might call me crazy, Matt, but I think No, that, I think you're right. Yeah, because if you if you give a player comp, you're almost, you know, cornering a player into being exactly like someone else and playing up to that potential. I think Filipowski, if you can't give a player comp for him, he can be his own player and he can develop into this type of player we've never seen before. So I loved that. I loved the versatility aspect. I think he's going to be great at the college level wherever he goes. And obviously, you know, being someone who supports the Orange and anyone listening this, you should really hope that Filipowski comes to the Dome. And here's the other thing that I thought was really great about what uh, Mannix had to say about Filipowski in terms of that player comp conversation was in a couple of years is what he said 
guys will be compared to him and because there really is no guy to compare him to he's that one of a kind unique just one of one kind of player where there aren't a lot of guys out there like him and and what he said was there aren't a lot of guys who can average 13 rebounds and still score 20 points so Kyle Filipowski he's one of a kind that's all we know from Mike Mannix because he only had great things to say about him let's wrap up here on five-star review with a story from Arizona State they had a little bit of a cheating scandal involving a Syracuse recruit, Eric Gentry. Cam, why don't you set this one up? Yeah, so uh, it's it's not that hard to understand if you want to, you know, go look it up and do deeper research into it. But I'll give you the lay of the land on it. The fact is, during COVID, you can't, ha you couldn't have in-person official visits, and that's understandable because of the virus and everything that followed along with it. But Arizona State violated that through Herm Edwards, through the or through the program itself, by actually hosting visits where the players got to see the facilities, have sit-down meetings with the coaches, even hang out with some of the players and talk about how a player could fit into a specific scheme. And why that is illegal in the sense of last year is the fact that all the other programs weren't allowed to do it. So that puts every other program that isn't Arizona State at a disadvantage. I think it's awful that ASU even considered doing this and went through with it because it shows that they could grab recruits that maybe just chose Arizona State because COVID was putting other schools at a disadvantage. You never know that if Syracuse would have had an in-person visit for that same guy, he might have liked Central New York better than he liked Tempe. You never know. So I, I think it's awful. I think Arizona State should be punished for it because no other school had the control you know, to say, let's have in-person visits. COVID took control away from everyone, and Arizona State took it into their own hands, and I think it's a disgrace. I absolutely agree with you. If you want to learn more about it, we have an article up on orangefizz.net written by DA about the entire situation, what it means for their recruiting, and basically what it's going to mean for them, for the program going forward. But that does it for this week's episode of Five Star Review. When we come back, we'll wrap up shop with Fizz Feedback and Fictional Fizz. Stay with us on the Sports Buzz. It's closing time here on Orange Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte with Cam Azir with you for our final block of the day. We've done the TBT, Syracuse football. We did our five-star review. Now it is time for fictional fizz and fizz feedback. Cam, I understand it's your first time doing some fictional fizz. I mean, are you amped? Yeah, I don't know how good I'll be at it, so we'll see. I think this will be the judgment of uh, whether I can be successful at fictional fizz going forward. But I think I'm going to bank on myself for this time. All right, I like that confidence. Here's your first line. How many sacks will Syracuse allow this year? The line is set at over or under 31 and a half. Is that total, right? Yeah, obviously not per game. Uh, yes. Well, you you heard my thoughts earlier about this offensive line. I think I'm going to take over uh, because I have absolutely no faith. I'm actually going to give you an exact total and wow. say 
41. 41? So you think that line was awful? I think the line was awful. I think the sacks. offense. I think the offensive line is almost as bad or even worse than the line that was set. Wow, that's hurtful. But we'll move forward. <laughs> um, how about the Syracuse basketball recruiting class ranking according to Twenty Four Seven Sports? I've got the over under set at thirty seven and a half. The over being closer to one in this case. Meaning, uh, sorry, I'm not totally understanding What will the class be ranked as? Out of every class in the country, where will Syracuse's recruiting class be ranked? Okay. This is Uh, for the 2022 class. Okay, yeah, okay. That was my main question, because if it was 2021, they pretty much have one recruit, so it would be tough to put them high, even though it is Benny Williams. I'm going to say over, uh, meaning closer to one, because Kamari Lands is a five-star recruit, and he's already landed on the hill. And I think that a guy like Chance Westry will come to Syracuse, and I have a lot of faith that Filipowski will be in orange as well. So, I mean, if Filipowski commits to Syracuse, and they already have Kamari Lands, this is already a top 25 recruiting class in the country. So... I'm going to go with over also because Duke, Carolina, those recruiting classes, I think they'll drop a little bit from their normal status because of the head coaching vacancies. Despite Syracuse having gone from around the high 30s to the high 40s for the past few years, I'm actually going to agree with you here. I think they're going to be way up above 37 and a half. I think they'll be top 20 um, or top 25. So I agree with you there. Um, our final line before we get to, to fizz feedback over on the Twitter machine. How many blocks will Pascal Chuku average in the de- the basketball tournament? I've got the the line set at two point five. Oof. Uh, are you giving me per game or per total game. per game? Per game. I hope per he has game. more than two blocks for the entire tournament. I have a lot of belief in Pascal Chuku. If he's wearing the goggles, give me over. If somehow he loses them, give me <laughs> Of course me he's wearing the goggles, Cam. <laughs> so, so, so give me the over. 100% give me the over. I think he averages 2.8 blocks a game. Wow. I love the confidence once again <laughs> in Pascal Chuku. A, a, a real fan favorite um, for Syracuse. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's go over to Twitter. We'll check out our Fizz Feedback. If you want to be a part of Fizz Feedback next week, go check it out on our Twitter page, at Orange Fizz. We post polls every week. Be sure to vote in them next time if you didn't this time and to vote in them next time if you did this time. First uh, a poll that we had out there, Cam, was 2022 four-star Syracuse target. Chance Westry will visit campus today. Does he end up playing for SU? Do you think the public said yes or no? I think that the public said yes, and I'm going yes as well. It was a close vote. I didn't expect it to be this close. I thought it would be a landslide one way or the other. It was very close. 53% say yes. 46.9% say no. Uh, I also say yes. I think Chance Westry will play for the Orange. I just think that that's how the cards will fall. I think Syracuse needs a guard that badly that they will go out and do whatever they can to bring in Chance Westry. And Matt, they also need a guard that can play the one, two, or three. And Chance Westry can do all of those things, whether it be in the starting lineup or off the bench. And I don't think Chance Westry would mind being a sixth man that develops over time and maybe later in his first season or even the start of his second season becomes a starter at that two or three position. 
and now switching sports a little bit, South Point Casino revealed projections for each ACC team's conference win totals. They have Syracuse set at 1.5. Do you think the Orange hit the over or the under in 2021? I really hope every Syracuse fan slammed the over. That's a joke. One point. I I get they were one in Is ten. Is it a joke? It's a joke. They had one last year. I and I totally understand that. But the success of this next season is not fully predicated on what happened last year. There's a lot of there's a lot that can change in a year, and I think there there will be a lot that will change. I think Garrett Schrader should get more of an opportunity at quarterback, and he'll heighten this SU offense. I think the defense doesn't get much worse. In 1.5, Syracuse starts off the year with four non-conference opponents. Last year, I'm not saying competition was very good, but the year before that, it was Western Michigan and you know Holy Cross. So I think that, you know, competition was a little stern last year. Syracuse is starting off with four non-conference opponents. I think SU gets at least two wins. So I, I'm hammering the over. Well, it's, it's conference wins. Oh, we're going conference wins. Oh. It's conference win totals. Oh, see, the, now, now I look like a fool. And I will take <laughs> that status. I will wear the Joker's hat and take the status and completely change my train of wow, thought. Wow, he's changing. No, I'm actually not. I'm still saying oh, two. I'm saying over. I'm saying over. Okay. I, I tried He's to fool you. Two. I tried to fool the audience because I was a fool in of, of myself. But I'm going over. I think two wins. I don't think it'll be more than that. But well, sorry, I, that's that's me. That's me trying to have some faith in the Syracuse team and seeing any any total at one point five just scares me. So the Fizz faithful agrees with you. Eighty percent say over. Twenty percent say under. Benny Fairchild with a reply says, I voted over only because the line was one and a half and two would be over. Yes, how lines work. Thank you, Benny. <laughs> um, on to our final. Actually, you know, before we move on, I, I want to give my opinion on this. I really think that there's a great chance that they that they do indeed accomplish the under here. Syracuse was quite literally the worst power five team in the nation last year. Like, they were so bad. I don't think people realize that. And the addition of Garrett Schrader, who might not even play, isn't really going to change things all that much, in my opinion. But, hey, you know, people let out their arguments. I let out mine. I just don't see it happening. Uh, but we'll move on to our final one. What part of the Syracuse football team needs to improve the most if the Orange are to exceed expectations this season? Is it the offensive line, the front seven, quarterback play, or other? I mean, I think this is a joke of a question because I think it has to be offensive line. Yes, the quarterback play has to get better, but if this offensive line can't stand Pat, then the quarterbacks, you can't even use their ability. You won't even be able to see what the quarterbacks can do. Like I said before, and a lot you know, during this, uh, during this show, I've said that the Syracuse offensive line won't get that much better. But if Syracuse is going to succeed... For any football heads out there following Syracuse, it has to be the offensive line because we've barely been able to see what Tommy DeVito can do because of how bad the offensive line is. I think it's I much. Mean, we've seen him throw. We've seen what he can do. Oh, I think. I don't think that we've seen him to his fullest potential, even though I don't think that his fullest potential is that good. But if this offensive line is really good and Garrett Schrader finally gets under center or in the pocket at one point during the season, I think he'll flourish if his offensive line is really good. I think he'll just be okay if the offensive line isn't. So I'm going to go with the offensive line. 
I must admit that I do not have all that much faith in Tommy Tevito, and I think that it is the quarterback play that's got to get better. Uh, yes, the offensive line is not the best in the country, I'll, I'll tell you that much, and I think I'll be one of the first to tell you that, but I do think that a decent amount of the credit, or actually, excuse me, the blame, should be given to DeVito because he has no pocket awareness, and Rex Culpepper wasn't exactly the, you know, the best prospect out there last season after DeVito sustained injury. So I think that if you get a quarterback who knows what he's doing, um, like a Garrett Schrader per se, or maybe even a Jacobian Morgan, I think that things will get exponentially better pretty quick. I mean, I don't think that you can put every single ounce of blame on this offensive line, especially when you had a successful running game with Sean Tucker. Last thing I have to say, give me Garrett Schrader. You'll have some kind of successful season for Syracuse. All right, that does it for this week of Orange Fizz Radio. For Cam Azir, I'm Matt Bonaparte. If you want more coverage, follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz or go to our website, orangefizz.net. We'll see you next time.